It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going auto reverse on Freddie King. Alright, Tony, looking forward to talking about the Texas Cannonball himself, Freddie That's right. King. Uh, God, I can, like, this is, you know, it, it's kind of unfair, but like, I, I've, you know, there's, I used to, and when I'm saying used to, when I was younger, get really animated when people would talk about B.B. King and, uh, the, you know, the, and not recognize Freddie or Albert. Um, and they're all kind of different in a way, but Freddie's story and the, what his influence for the extremely short time that he was on the, the musical landscape is truly profound, both from a writing, singing, and playing standpoint. Yeah, and he uh, he embraced, fully embraced the new generation of like post, you know, the post yeah. blue, blues guys of the more rock, like rock. Uh, and white dudes he embraced that and like and went for it and in some ways was like the bridge you know uh between the old blues guys and um and uh and the new and you know the new the new generation of like you know yeah and he blues was rock people right and he's probably in uh, you know all the all the blues players at the time probably next to johnny winter he was probably the most electrifying blues guitarist blues act at the time were you yawning mm-hmm. at my, my description there what were you doing there no i'm sorry i woke up at 5 30 a.m to watch england and croatia playing the euros uh to watch soccer so i'm a little bit out of it i apologize let's <laughs> let's get back to it <laughs> all right so you know freddie i was reading some of the story even though a lot of this i've no no i knew about because i was such uh, especially in my early, when i started to first learn guitar he was one of the the people that I really listened to a lot. Um, and he started like, he was born in Texas, I mean, Gilmore, Texas, and grew up on a, the, the Lightning Hopkins school of like more acoustic, uh, you know, acoustic blues. Um, and then he kind of, I think his family moved to Chicago and that's where he got the mm-hmm. electric sound of like Muddy Waters, uh, Jimmy Rogers, and you know, you know all those guys. Um, I'm sure Buddy came, Buddy Guy and all those guys he probably ran with, um, and uh, you know you'd think that he you know he, the kind of guy with a voice like that with the chops he would you know Chess Records would have came running for him, uh, which he did play some sessions, but he never really they, they I don't think he got on Chess Records. His big break was when he got no, on they uh, th- on King Records, right? Yeah, they, I guess Chess thought he sounded too much like BB King, and so oh, they right, were right, like, right, "Nah, right. we'll pass." And uh, and then he, yeah, and then he got, I guess he got a call from the the King Records, uh, James Brown's label, um, A and R guy, and they were like, "Well, we'll put you on our subsidiary label, Federal Records," um, and so that's where he put out his first singles, forty um, fives with them, and um, I think Hideaway was one of them. It was, and they. If I'm not mistaken, I think Hideaway might have been a B-side, and yeah. it kind of turned into a hit. And yeah, it's an I instrumental, love, which I love is the great, woman was yeah, is, the I love I love the woman was the uh, the A-side. 
And as it turns out, Hideaway turned out to become like this blues standard, which um, which is great. I mean, you know, it was sort of an afterthought. And then and then he and then he spent that time kind of touring with um, King uh, King um, artists like uh, Sam Cooke and, and Jackie Wilson and James Brown and stuff. And that was sort of like his that was like chapter one. And then he right. moved on. What that's and then sometime after that is when he fully embraced this new thing that was happening with white artists that were that were playing the blues, and I, I just it makes it's like cool that he just like he wasn't like Muddy Waters and maybe because he was a little younger than them, you know Muddy Waters and 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 others were less were more like reticent about getting jumping right into that and he didn't give a fuck he just went for it. Yeah, his earlier stuff, he it was kind of tilted a little bit more toward the instrumentals, even though he did do versions mm-hmm. of, you know, one of my first, one of my favorite songs um, from his earlier days. I think it was on his first album was uh, "Lonesome Whistle Blues," and mm-hmm. which actually the first time I heard that song was by this band called Chicken Shack. Uh, oh yeah, and they did a version of actually they did a version of that and San Jose, the instrumental mm-hmm. on their first album uh, or maybe it's their second album 40 fingers full for 40 blue fingers i think it's called something like that mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. that's when i heard a song can you it, let people can you let people know who was in chicken shack oh christine perfect stan webb who is the guitarist um mm-hmm. i don't know who else of wasn't note. chris wasn't christine yeah that's what perfect, i said also christine mcvee yeah she became she became christine mcvee okay from fleetwood Fleetwood mac Mac. yeah because they would tour all the time chicken shack and fleetwood mac uh reference our fleetwood mac episode uh, auto reverse episode for more information because i think (laughs) because i I don't know we We did did, we did a peter green we did the peter green fleetwood mac not the christine mcvee years of fleetwood mac i think we talked we did talk about it we talked about her right right and she yeah yeah, yeah. she came in because chicken shack and uh Fleetwood uh, Mac toured a lot together, played a lot together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, back to our good man, the Texas Cannonball. He uh, was highly. I mean, a lot of those songs are heavily covered. I mean, Hideaway is probably the most covered. I mean, I can think mm-hmm. off my, you know, off the top of my head, like four versions of it. Uh, the most recent mm-hmm. one I think I heard. Not Jeff. I don't know if Jeff Healy was the most ver- recent one, but I'm sure someone else has done it. Um, but like he had this interesting tra- trajectory of playing all these kind of instrumentals and very popular instrumentals, um, mm-hmm. you know, which must have been kind of hard because the guy has like a like a, like a like a voice uh, that is, I mean, it's got more of a, I, I would say a little bit more of an energy than BB King. Like BB King has that in burst, mm-hmm. but, but Freddie comes at it. You can, it's more, it's more possessed is what I, what I would say. It seems like more condensed, emotionally condensed. So it has its, maybe not condensed is the right word. It's just really. It's, bound, it's bounding and booming. It's just, it's yeah. like, it's like going down. It's like going downhill. Yeah. It's like he's going downhill and, and you really hear it in going down. I mean, it's just like, that's where, that's, that's his style. It's this, it's 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 like get out of the way <laughs> before you get run yeah, over. I, I think that's that, his style of vocal. 
Yeah, and I think that kind of, and with his guitar playing, probably that's how he earned the nickname uh, Cannonball because it's that's not. That's right. It's not, even when he does it, but you know, the thing is, there's the, he does, he can sing with an amazing tenderness and both, and play with an amazing tone and, mm -hmm. and touch that, you know, it, you know, I, I remember trying to figure out some of his, geez, like some of his, like softer songs and even they're like on tour down there's a slower section in the live version that i tried to get it and it wasn't until later that i figured out like someone told me it's like oh yeah it's kind of hard because he played with finger picks i'm like oh mm -hmm. that makes sense because he played with a thumb pick and then uh mm -hmm. steel finger picks i think he played with a plastic thumb pick and then then steel finger picks and when you hear you know some of the stuff, some of his playing, it really comes through. That kind of attack of really kind of plucking the string and pulling on it, it really comes through. Mm -hmm. But also kind of getting that more, you know, you know, kind of massaging that really sweet tone out, sweet sound out of this. You know, the guy could just play a, a spectrum of music, and you know, obviously blues is you know plays within margins and he played within the margins but i feel like he also kind of tried to expand some of his stuff not just with the instrumentals but with some of his later stuff that he you know when he started to go to shelter records and you know working with other musicians I have an interesting story about Shelter Records. Well, do tell, sir. Do you want it? Do you want to hear it? Do tell. That's do tell. <laughs> uh, so, so early in my record business career, um, I had been working. Where the fuck? Oh, I had. Let's see if I have this right. So I had worked at Big B Records, then I worked at Columbia House Records and Tapes, and then I was unemployed. And I knew this lawyer who had been d dating my friend my childhood friend rick her name was cassie rossell she was um ray barretto's lawyer and dr john's lawyer uh -huh. and she said to, and so i said to her cassie you gotta hook me up with a job or an interview or whatever i need i need help and she's like okay and yeah, but you know and so she had connections to island records so she was like all right i'm gonna get you an interview with this guy named denny cordell i'm like I'm like, I don't know who he is, <laughs> you know, but, and this is pre-internet days. So there was really no way of me kind of researching him. So it's, it turns out Denny was, you know, he was the guy that founded Shelter Records. So I went and met with him at Island down by on West 4th Street, somewhere like below, uh, below Broadway. Mm -hmm. I met with him and 
I was out of my depth. I just didn't know what I didn't know who he was. He's this older guy. I kind of knew he had discovered or signed Tom Petty, mm -hmm. but I, I just didn't know much about him. And so he's interviewing me. I'm like fucking 23 or something. And he's like, what do you think of Southern Rock? And I'm like, well, you know, I like Leonard Skinner. <laughs> uh, and, and, but I think he was talking more in terms of like new bands playing Southern Rock. I guess right. Island had signed Driving and Crying uh, at the time. So it was just like funny. Like I was sitting in front of this guy. I wish I, wish I could have sat in front of him 20 years later. Right. Yeah. So I would have knew who he was and appreciated the work that he did. And I guess he and the reason I bring this up is as Denny and Leon Russell, who was also part of Shelter, um, they brought um, Freddie into into the mix and, and put out. Uh, what was the album that that has uh, going down on it? Get ready. Um, Get ready. It's such a great fucking record. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying I wish I would have. I could have appreciated the moment. Right. Yeah, and then you could, you know, said he's like, well, who you, do you want to talk about Point Blank? You probably could rat off a lot of bands, like Point Blank and some other some yeah. bands. You would, it's just you'd a be, lot of stuff. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, and I forgot, you know what, I, I was going over his discography really quickly, and I forgot about before he did Shelter, he was on Cotillion, which is a, it was a, yeah. a smaller label from Atlantic, right? Um, That's right. And they didn't, they really didn't get behind it. So and I think you can find it. We I think we pulled some stuff off of that for the playlist for yeah. Cotillion. Um, but yeah, that that was preceded uh, going to Shelter. But yeah, get ready. And I was listening to that album last couple days, and I'm I'm trying to mm -hmm. think what that album's just got so much to to kind of chew on and really enjoy, especially like I mean you got. You got B3 organ and you have Leon Russell playing the the, the standard oh. piano. And that I dude, I love the, I I like when it's just B3 organ, it's it's okay, but when it's added with another piano player who knows how to offset the B3, yeah. it really enhances everything and in like it really showcases. I mean, his vocals and guitar are out in front, but man, that's just a balanced record like from uh, the the redo do of I'm tore down. Uh mm -hmm to um, Ain't Nobody's Business. I mean, it's just like from start to finish, just a stellar, stellar album. Yeah, it, it's, I, I had a greatest hits of his or best of, and then, and but I was always like, even when I had the best of with the ring wear all beat up, I was like, I want to find a copy of, of, of going down. I need, I mean, of, um, of, uh, of getting ready i need i need that album and it took me a while to find a nice clean copy and i did and then i was just like now nah, this is what i want and to me that's his best album you know i'm well, sure there are yeah. purists out there that may think that that it's not or whatever and there's other things that are better but to me that's his best album yeah burglar is really great um and i've mm -hmm. and that's one that i've kind of gotten to like more and more that than i listen to it um and mm -hmm. you know there's parts of get ready that you know there's a lot of uh, covers on it, but it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a really, I mean, you got dust my broom key to highway walking by myself. Mm -hmm. Like those are all covers. I think, I think mm -hmm. palace of the Kings a cover too. I'm not hundred percent. Is that a, is that a cover? What palace of the King? Palace of the King. I thought that was his song. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be thinking about, um, um, same old blues. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, there's, I just mm -hmm. know that I remember 
looking through which songs were his. Like he, going down's not even his technically his song. Someone else wrote it. But. No, Don Don Nix wrote right, it. Right, Don Nix. I think wrote. he's he's from Memphis. Yeah. Don Nix has kind of got an interesting story too, and I I actually found found I saw his re- solo record, which has the original version of Going Down on it the other day. I saw it in a record store in uh, in Vancouver the other day. I should have fucking bought it, man, because he's kind of interesting guy too. Um, Don Nix, I think he's a white dude, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, I but think. yeah, I, there's there's so much to this man to Freddie that's just like an interesting sort of like how he got to where he got and then he and then he died young he was 42 yeah yeah you know i mean the first going back to really quickly to get ready it's like my my stepfather one of the i have this is indelible moment he's he put the, he the, this is one of the albums that he had he put it on he's like matt when you play <laughs> this song you always got to turn it up which was out of character <laughs> which was out of character because he was usually like keep the volume like he had a little marker like he keep the volume of on everything about this high please um, uh-huh. which is funny because I made the biggest mistake later and fried the the motherboard of that because I was I was because I put my guitar through it and uh, mm-hmm. and I was bless you I was trying to Thank play you. and I had it up too loud and I fried the board but anyhow like you know that that song you cannot get charged up by it's just such a um you know the like the impact of him and that song is like that's that's where it's kind of really captured but like you go and you check out the rest of his his catalog and there's so there's such a variety of great shit there Mm -hmm. and like you said he he had a big impact he brought in like the with the newer bands the 70 bands i mean we're an american band has a line about freddie king you know uh that's uh, right. Playing uh, cards with Freddie King, he held the whole show, and that's a natural fact. And uh, what? No, it was like all all night with Freddie King. You got to tell your poker is his game. Yeah, but he yeah he was like a drinker and a partier, and I guess he would drink like Bloody Marys before he went on stage because he's like yeah it's got that's got food in it. Um, and yeah, he died at like <laughs> he died at died like he played a show. Uh, he played a show in Dallas and then went played one in New York on Christmas, then went to back to Dallas and died the next, he died and he was like riddled with ulcers and said from pancreatitis and dude, that's serious. Yeah. Shit. Pancreatitis that's, will take you down if you don't, um, so if ulcers. you don't take care of it. Yeah. So ulcers. Um, and you know, who I, I, the stuff, I don't know that much about how well he kept his management and what other kind of stresses he had in his life. But man, I've seen like various years from in the seventies of him playing live and dude, just guy brings it live. Uh, whether it's on a TV Mm -hmm. show or a crowd in front of 50,000, he brought it. Um, and I think that, yeah, we can't obviously put that, but I would, you know, encourage everyone to watch a couple, I forget there's one in Atlanta, him playing, and it's, maybe I'll put it in the show notes, which I, I usually forget to do it when I post it, but I'll try to remember mm-hmm. this time. Um, but yeah, you know, and he had a great supporting cast of blues musician who got behind him. Like, uh, you know, you got Louis M. Russell, but you also had Eric Clapton, who got him on mm-hmm. RSO with the Burglar album, and Clapton plays on one song, but you don't really hear, it's not really... You can't, it's not Eric Clapton playing Eric Clapton. It's like him more in a reserve role of playing second guitar. Um, but yeah, that album is awesome, uh, Burglar. So 
I think we can't. We'll which is not which is not available in Canada. Yeah, probably not <laughs> outside Canadian US. streaming. Yeah, we we were trying to put the playlist together and had a hard time with that because you know we're using uh, yeah. the the, uh, the uh, Canadian credentials. So, um, but yeah. yeah, try to find that find a live because the guy. I mean, let me ask you this: like, uh, in the in the blues pantheon, where do you see Freddie King? You know, that's a tough question because he, to me, he it's hard to say because he's so singular in that in the way that he went from this more traditional way of playing and his songs to then becoming this more like, you know, electric, you know, sort of like electric infused uh, blues player. So it's hard. I, I, I guess I guess. I would just put him in the top 10. Uh, but I think his style was so singular that it's hard to say he was a blues guy. He was a rock guy. I think he was just a guy who was really good. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's hard for me, but yeah, I would definitely, if you, if, if, if you had, if, if I hard pressed, I would be like, yeah, top 10, like, don't tell me, don't ask me where in that top 10 I'd put him, but and, but the thing, the thing about him is like I knew nothing about Freddie King, right? right? Nothing. And then in like the mid to late '90s, I went to see Raging Slab play. Um, I think they might have been. It was like a what do you call it? A double, uh, a two band tour. It was them and Monster Magnet. And I went to see these right. watch to watch them play. And um, they played a song at the end of their set. It was going down. Mm -hmm. And. I, what's his name jumped on stage with them um, and and played lead on it um Ed Mundell oh no shit and I was like yeah and I was like what the fuck what song is this is this a slab song I don't think it no. I had to I had to ask my friend Ned who was in the audience yo what song is this and he told me it's Freddie King and I'm like who the fuck is Freddie that and then it got me Did he slap you, know, you he didn't yeah I know. uh no he just he was he wasn't surprised that i didn't know because a lot of people at that yeah, time didn't true. know who freddie king was so um and that got me you know what do you call it like going back and checking out his stuff um also so that happened and then when that show came out on hbo um the one with danny whatever the southern guy he had a show where he was an ex-baseball player and he was oh, trying to yeah, get yeah, back yeah. in the big yeah, leagues they and they used going down as the theme What's, uh, uh, what's his name? Down. Wayne Kramer. Yeah, for, yeah Eastside Wayne down. Kramer. Yeah, uh, what is it called? East uh, Eastbound and East, Down. Uh, Eastbound and Down, yeah. yeah. And I guess Wayne Kramer was the music supervisor for, for the show, and he used that as the brother theme. Wayne. And I was like, this is... Yeah, Brother Wayne. And uh, and that was that made me really happy, too, to, to see it, you know, having its... Like, acknowledging who, how great this guy was. So, yeah, I would put Freddie in top 10 i know it took me 10 minutes to answer that question no, that's, a good, that's, that's that was a good answer you know and I, I yeah. think, you know and that's that's a great answer i you know i would I, I it's hard to put it because you look under your personal preferences of who you like and how then you have to say well how much do you you know how would how does he stack up to everyone else in just a impact aspect and that takes a little bit less of a the personal aspect you know personal view of it like i you know, I always thought B.B. King was the statesman. I thought Albert King was probably the better guitar player, but uh -huh. Fre Freddie King was the better was the better package. 
you know, like I, yeah, I, that's a really good way of putting it. Of the three kings, that's the way. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, and I in that and in that sense is like you know I it's hard to put them above like either of those guys or even Muddy Waters for that for that matter. Um, I just think that you know you know that he has had and it's just by dint of when I was expo- exposed to him and when I got to listen to those albums and how much I grew listening to him and the variety of the albums also. It's like I I love I really do enjoy BB King even though I kind of slam him for his guitar playing sometimes but it's like his his songwriting and his singing and his songs you know they stand up and they're hard and they're fun to listen to but there's not a wild variety in the in the songs. Um you know even like Lightning Hopkins there's not a lot of variety. Freddie King has a lot of different variety in his. But, and it's also his ener- it's his energy. That we yeah. talked about this earlier. It's just that energy is infectious. It's like you, you want to party. You want to, you know, maybe jump on somebody's back. You might, you know, there's like a, yeah. it makes you want to move. And I'm not saying those other blues guys don't want to make you move, but it's it's a little bit more subdued in comparison to him. That's just that's just yeah. How I see it. And he yeah, I think he has a little bit more of that it factor of mm-hmm. just making you want to li- pay attention, even on the slower softer stuff he makes you pay attention but it's never it's it's got a little bit it's more far more entertaining probably for me it's more interesting probably in in that in that sense too um and maybe you know it's it's because he lives shorter there's that little bit of like there's just a there's not as much there's not as much stuff to kind of kind of go through even though he was fairly prolific for only playing till mm-hmm. you know for only playing like 20 you know 20 25 years it's like mm-hmm. you know albert king has a probably and bb king have a lot far more albums probably muddy waters of course has a lot more albums but you know he's a guy he's someone who deserves you know he's in my t- he's you know you talk about auto reverse pe- you know, musicians he's one of my you know top tier auto reverse people because not a lot of people know him and i think a lot of people would enjoy listening to his music if they got into and he's someone who deserves a lot more attention and uh yeah he had this man he had this this really great and i would never there's this thing that was put out on jesus what's the name bear family and they made this uh seven disc thing called taking care of business and you can't mm-hmm. even find it anymore. I was hoping they would do a reissue or do an LP version of it because it basically captures all of his stuff from his, you know, his his country boy, you know, before he even got the King Records, uh, and has it all uh, because it, I, I, you know, I usually uh, those kind of box sets I try to avoid, but it's like it covers such an interesting range of hit of a person of of an interesting musician so i got how many times i've said interesting you know too I, many too many yeah it's, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of fascinating right uh, it's fascinating and how much i've seen yeah um but yeah you know he's a guy that i hope everyone listens to the playlist and kind of really digs into him because um the dude could play, the dude could sing, and he put he put 100% into every song, and you can feel it. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, I can, I can, I basically can stop there because I could probably gush for another fifteen minutes about Freddie King. Oh, I, I know you, I know you could. This, this was an episode that was a long time coming, and yeah. uh, and I, and I'll try to sum him up in one quick thing. Okay, he wasn't around for a long time, but he was definitely around for a good time, and that's that's him, man. That that's. That's what Fucking he was. Hell, man! Throw that shit on a t-shirt. What are you keeping that? What are you keeping that expression in your back pocket long enough, dude? I'm surprised you're not throwing that around those throwing that around Powell River. Those headbands with that on. There's a. It's on the back of a receipt of a gas receipt, but that's fine. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. You know, baby steps. Exactly. You know, baby steps. Slow rollout of that. Yeah. 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 Big, so big, big, big marketing idea. Yeah. So we've had, you know, talking about letting us know, a couple of people have told us about a couple episodes they'd like to see. We encourage you to get in touch with us and let us know other people, that other bands or musicians you want to explore on the show. Uh, AutoReversePod at gmail.com or let us know on Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah, and Tony, we're our show's on. We're we're still our show's still on uh, Powell River Station. It's still right? on. It's still on uh, CJMP ninety point one FM, CJMP dot CA, uh, backs uh, backslash listen on Tuesdays from six, to, uh, Tuesday six to six thirty Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, and most of those are older episodes. So if you missed some of the mm-hmm. older stuff, check it out. Um, mm-hmm. And you have a show on Fridays. At oh, yes. Fridays, I have my radio show, Crowd Control Radio, also on CJMP 90.1 FM, cjmp.ca backslash listen. Fridays, noon to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Crowd Control Radio, which is the musical equivalent of what we're doing on auto reverse right. just a lot of music very little talking so the opposite if you listen to both shows you'll get a you'll get a free long time good time t-shirt from tony that's right that's right all right my man so good show and i'll uh, talk to you yep. next time all right peace